0: in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news
1: thanks to steven for sending us some vegemites thank you Stephen. proudly australian made and owned i don't know if they should be proud of it though um so Thanks, Steven.
2: Uh, the aftertaste is kind of coming back on. but I like it. Jared is still tasting <laughs> oh, the stuff, yeah, and he, he only had a little <laughs> off the top.
1: Keeps eating it over here. <laughs> All right. College football playoff <laughs> rankings are out. Georgia, Alabama stayed at one and two. Oregon jumped up to three. Ohio State, four. Cincinnati, five. And then Michigan jumped Michigan State to be in six, while the Spartans fell to seven. So... The main question everybody has about consistency with the college football playoff. Why is Michigan ahead of Michigan State, even though Michigan State beat Michigan, but Oregon is still ahead of Ohio State when Oregon beat Ohio State? Yeah,
3: I can't tell you. I also want to know the answer to this. Why is the narrative that Cincinnati struggled is not attached to everyone else? Because Alabama, you know, yep. they struggle. I mean, and it's never attached to the group of five team as it is, or it's never attached to the power five teams as it is the group of five. And Cincinnati struggled. They struggled. But, you know, so did Alabama. And there was two weeks ago, oh, Oklahoma really struggled. And, and Pat Forty made that point. He's like, well, if you're going to say about Cincinnati, how can't you say it about these other teams?
1: Ohio State struggled with Nebraska. Yes. Like, yes. Team that just fired yeah. four coaches yesterday, and Ohio State really struggled with them i okay i don't whatever it's november 10th i'm not overly concerned with it my only complaint about this jared we can hear you rummaging through that is your mic on Um, my only complaint is that they've basically guaranteed Georgia and alabama are both in the college football playoff and they have made the sec championship game irrelevant
3: you really think if they get to second loss they'll be in
1: they're number two in the country and if you're telling me that they go undefeated, play Georgia in the SEC and title lose. game and lose the number one team in the country. They're putting them in. The Hell, they'll I'm fall not, from two to three. I'm not doubting you. Yeah. They'll I fall just, from two I'm, to it's three. Alabama. Yeah. It's yeah. They literally one year couldn't even make it to the title game
2: and then got into yeah. the playoff.
1: So that, that, was, that wasn't even the playoff. That was the BCS. Only two teams make it national title game. They just don't care.
2: Okay, I'm just trying to remember what was the year that they refused to play. Like for some reason, they refused to put Central Florida in, and yeah. And it was like, okay, Central Florida's undefeated. That was
3: Alabama has two losses. And that was, yeah, that was your Alabama two-year loss. It didn't even win their conference championship. Yeah, Didn't even win their championship
1: game. They, and they played LSU. When they played LSU in the national title game, LSU went to the SEC championship game. Right. Alabama did not because they're in the same division. And Alabama still ended up in the title game and beat LSU. Yeah, and beat them. So, yeah, it's, it's a fun system we have here in college football.
2: Man, you know, that's a great question
1: odell beckham cleared waivers he is free to sign with any team diana russini reported the top teams packers chiefs and saints where are the raiders come on they're supposed to be linked to every free agent
3: yeah i don't i think now uh that they already moved made a move with deshaun jackson it's not going to happen there and if i was him i wouldn't come there because i think the chiefs like we said before they need another receiver the packers Um, Those are teams you can say are contending teams, and he can go to and make a bigger difference. So if I was him, I consider the Chiefs. Over the Packers? I mean, they both really need a receiver, but you get it. (sighs) I might consider the Chiefs.
2: I mean, at least you know who's throwing you the ball each week. Do you?
1: Chad Henney.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Great question. Thank you.
1: The Packers were fined $300,000 for COVID protocol violations. Aaron Rodgers and wide receiver Alan Lazard were fined $14,000 individually. The NFL did come out and say that Rodgers doesn't get fined by the NFL for not wearing his mask at press conferences like he's supposed to, that the Packers are the ones that are effectively held responsible for that. Uh, $300,000, it's... If we go back to last year, that's a that's a lot compared to what they were doing for single fines last year, uh, but it does feel like the Packers and Aaron Rodgers blatantly disregarded these COVID protocols, and it should probably be more than that.
3: Well, we were making fun before the show about fourteen thousand to someone like Aaron Rodgers. Like, uh, that's all okay. I mean, here's 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 a uh, well, he doesn't write checks. Here's my Venmo, and I'll Venmo fourteen thousand dollars.
2: Just drops a used yeah. Honda Civic yeah. off at the. <laughs> off at the NFL headquarters. Sell some
3: of that uh, insurance he always was pumping up.
1: Yeah, but it is—it's interesting in that the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, it seems to have intentionally broken COVID protocols. Like this wasn't a oh, he forgot to put his mask no, on or they forgot. I haven't seen certain that guy rule. in a mask in any interview all year, right? And this is all they get. I guess it sets them up for hey, if you do it again, we're going to come down very hard on you, but. The NFL probably should have already come down hard on Aaron Rodgers because they knew he was unvaccinated and saw his press conferences where he wasn't wearing a mask. Next question. Aaron Rodgers admits that he may have misled people about his (laughs) vaccination status. He was on the Pat McAfee show again yesterday and said to anybody who felt misled by those comments, I take full responsibility. So that's big for him. He He doesn't doesn't admit much at all. He had a big change of tone from last week on the Pat McAfee show to this week on the Pat McAfee show. And it would appear as though the blowback he received, whether it was just from the general public slash media or if it was from sponsors who came out and said, hey... You're an endorsement. I thought he got dropped by at least one. Uh, He did by, what was it, the hospital's hospital in Wisconsin? Uh,
3: Hospital COVID. uh, (laughs) We need to drop you now, given we have, you know, 100 new patients a day.
1: But it was a significant tone change from Aaron Rodgers, who went from, I'm the victim, I'm being mistreated, to, I don't care what people care. I don't (laughs) care about politics. Sorry, guys. To, sorry, I shouldn't have misled people, blah, blah,
2: blah. Oh, you know, I can't tell you that you think the girl or the fiance just called him and was just like, what are you doing?
1: They're not married yet. Oh, I don't Still know. Fiance situation. Not Mary. Okay. I'm on it. All right. Figure it out for us, Jared. In the meantime, Dalvin cook has been accused of assault, battery and false imprisonment by an ex-girlfriend. The woman is seeking unspecified monetary damages in this lawsuit. Cook's agent, has claimed that the ex-girlfriend broke into Dalvin Cook's house and assaulted him and two house guests and is now basically saying, hey, she is trying to extort Dalvin Cook for millions of dollars. There are details the Minnesota Star Tribune had from the lawsuit. Uh, The ex-girlfriend claims that Dalvin Cook got angry when she asked for help in gathering her things. A cook grabbed her arm and slung her whole body over the couch, slamming her face into the coffee table and causing her lower forehead and the bridge of her nose to bust open. She attempted to spray the mace at Cook, but he overpowered her and the mace went into her eyes. She went to the shower when she was allegedly assaulted again. Trimble went into the bedroom, grabbed Alvin Cook's gun, and called her friend according to the lawsuit. Cook overheard her and threatened her and beat her with a broomstick. Uh, they continued... Their relationship in an on off basis for, I think it was a couple more months after this before officially breaking up. Uh, but you have two very different stories one from Dalvin Cook's agent, one from the lawsuit against Dalvin Cook. I don't know that there's a need to rush to any sort of judgment on this, but uh, it is not a good situation well, for Dalvin Cook either way.
3: Isn't this, and you, you know, maybe you know this, have, are the police investigating this? Because all I'm seeing is she's. The, the lawsuit is seeking money.
1: Yeah, that is a good question. What, it I is, mean, this okay. is if you're a, the police,
3: you at least do some investigation if he did these
1: things. Yeah, this is, it sounds like, yeah, not a criminal investigation, not a criminal case. <laughs> I mean, it's a lawsuit. Of, yeah, so, yeah, that is a good question about that. And it feels like we have that a lot. Where, there, where there'll would be some domestic violence And it'll just go, right to, the lo- and they'll go and, right to the civil suit. Yeah, and, and listen, she initially, oh. when she went to the hospital, she initially told the uh, doctors that she was in an ATV accident so like she initially didn't want uh, to come out and say Dalvin Cook beat me up or this was from a fight with Dalvin Cook so there's probably a level of she was afraid or didn't want to whatever it was like she didn't want to have him arrested at that time maybe that's changed now into the future but yeah, and it seems to happen a lot where we have a domestic violence issue and it, it there isn't some sort of criminal case it's a, it's a lawsuit because of whatever reason I mean, if anything, I mean, if Las Vegas local OJ Simpson has taught us
2: anything, it's much easier to win the civil case. Press box
1: transition. UNLV
2: UNLV.
1: (laughs) (laughs) is requiring proof of vaccination to attend basketball games at Thomas and Mac. You can either bring a physical copy of your vaccine card and your ID and show that at the door or... You, there's a there's a link I've tweeted it out. you can uh, upload that stuff ahead of time and you will get a QR code to get into Thomas and Mac. Do you think this hurts attendance at all?
3: Um, I applaud them for doing it. I think they should do it. I think this is not a situation like the Raiders and I do think some people will stay home. I do think some people will stay home. It's uh, not the it's not the NFL where they're gonna line up for hours to get their vaccination or to prove they're
1: vaccinated. It's just not that way. I think it's still going to be a negligible difference. I think, regardless,
3: you mean the people who love it are going to go.
1: Well, I think regardless, UNLV is going to have bad attendance. Oh, this team's not having okay. good attendance until they win games, until they're okay. playing something important. When, so you wouldn't really know
3: anyway, right? Sure. I mean, if the Raiders
1: I, do it, you know the difference, right? I've plenty of people have tweeted at me saying that they don't like it, that they're whatever, want cancel their season tickets, blah blah blah. But no flakes. But I don't think we're really going to know. Attendance is going to suck, whether or not they did this or not, because the team hasn't done anything in seven years now. Okay. So until UNLV is playing like a meaningful game in February where it's, okay, this matters for the NCAA tournament, their attendance isn't going to be okay. good. It's just not going to be good. So you're and, not going to know the difference anyway Yeah, and t- tonight it's going to be a bad attendance, and some people are going to say this is what happens when you require a vaccine mandate, and it's going to be no. There would have been this many people here anyways. There's Sure. Five or six different people didn't show up because of it, but it's not going to be anything significant. Wow. Sorry. Um,
2: I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Was that Mark Sorry. Stone
1: holding him up? <laughs> All right. Who are you more afraid of? Marcus and Markeith Morris or the Jokic brothers? Whoa. So, Nicola Jokic got ejected for checking Markeith Morris in the back two nights ago. Morris was also ejected for the foul that he committed prior to that. Marcus Morris, the twin of Markeef Morris, tweeted, waited till bro turned his back, noted. The Jokic brothers, if you're unaware of the Jokic brothers, there are two of them that watch maybe all but most of Nikola Jokic's games. They created a Twitter account to respond and say, you should leave this the way it is instead of publicly threatening our brother. Your brother made a dirty play first. If you want to make a step further, be sure we will be waiting for you, Jokic brothers. Ah, oh, the Car brothers. I am terrified no, of the no, Jokic no, brothers. No, 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 no.
2: There's the Car brothers. Then there's the Jokic. Oh yeah, no.
3: I'm terrified of Serbians named uh, Nikola, Strajina, and Namanja. Like those guys terrify me. So if you're asking me who I'm more afraid of. It's absolutely the Jokic brothers. Yes, I agree. There's no question
1: about that. Here's the thing. To compare to the Carr family, the Carr family will block anyone that they disagree with on Twitter. That doesn't love Derek. The Jokic brothers made a Twitter account to go find Markeith (laughs) Morris. They were like, where's this guy at? Oh, he's talking crap on Twitter. All right, we'll be there. We will be there on Twitter. Stranja and
3: Namanja, No Uh, chance I want to see those guys. What a shock on on Wikipedia siblings. Stranja and Namanja, and then trending <laughs> <laughs> alright coming up next <laughs> we'll jump into UNLV's season opener
0: but Ed is gone tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Grainy.
2: ball right side Van Sola goes baseline, bangs into wood <laughs> the official said that Moses pushed with his hand, Moses had both hands in the air, he must have used his third hand to draw that foul in any event it's a foul on Moses Wood.
0: You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler.
1: College basketball season is here. UNLV plays on the second night of the year. They open the season with a home game against Gardner Webb. So what you're looking at, As a team with a new head coach, granted, Kevin Kruger has been here the last two years as an assistant, but still his first time as a head coach and a roster with 10 new scholarship players, nine transfers coming in, one freshman. This is a year where we go into it and there's a lot of what the hell is going to happen. How good is this team going to be? How bad is this team going to be? Who on the team is actually going to be any good? Because there's only really two guys on the roster that we've seen play a lot. Bryce Hamilton and Marvin Coleman, like Reese Brown is a returner as well, but Reese Brown didn't play a whole lot last season as a freshman. So there's really only two guys that we have a good idea of what they're going to be for UNLV at the mountain West level. They got a lot of guys coming from power conferences that didn't get a lot of playing time that maybe they're going to be really good at the mountain West level, or maybe there was a reason they weren't getting very much playing time. They've also got some guys coming from either smaller or comparable schools like Kent state or Hawaii, again we'll see how the adjustment is coming to the Mountain West whether it's the same or whether it's too big of a step up and those players struggle now a couple of things to watch for for UNLV first thing's going to be one of the most obvious things who the hell is in the starting lineup for UNLV uh Kevin Kruger has downplayed the importance of which guys start the game as a lot of coaches do and i would expect UNLV to use a pretty big rotation at least early in the season that'll probably change throughout the year because some guys will play themselves into more playing time. Some guys will play themselves out of the rotation. And we'll get to a point where Kevin Kruger says, these are the eight guys or whatever that number is that I trust going forward. But here's my best guess as to what the starting five, or at least what the main rotation is going to be. I think there's a top four. I think there's like a core four players. I think it's Bryce Hamilton. Michael Nuga, Donovan Williams, and Royce Ham. I think those are the primary four guys for UNLV this year. You've basically got three perimeter players in Hamilton, Nuga, and Williams, and one power forward, undersized five, whatever you want to call Royce Ham. If those are the top four, then there's one open spot for the starting lineup or at least the closing lineup. There's not a true point guard in that top four. So if Kevin Kruger wants a true point guard on the floor, Marvin Coleman, Jordan McCabe, or the freshman Keyshawn Gilbert are sort of the three options there, depending on which one is better. My hot take is that by the end of the year, Gilbert's going to be the top option uh, among those three. That lineup also doesn't have a true center, though. Uh, it's only got one big man in Royce Ham. Victor E. Walker would make a lot of sense as a guy getting a lot of minutes. David Mwaka is the transfer from Lamar that was the defensive player of the year. If UNLV wants to play bigger... Both of those guys make some sense. Now, Victor Ewalker most likely is not going to play today. He did not practice yesterday. He has an arm injury. Uh, Kevin Kruger did not rule him out, but was leaning towards him not being available. So I think those four are the main guys and then figuring out who fits with them the best, and it might be matchup dependent. They might have games where they need more ball handling, so there's a true point guard out there. They might have games where they're playing you know, a team that wants to post them up. So they need more size in there. They might need more shooting. Justin Webster might be the best shooter on the team. He's likely not in that core four. So he might get some playing time if they need simply some more shooting. Donovan Williams, though, of that core four is the uh, maybe the most important one, because I believe Bryce Hamilton, we know what he is. He is a high volume score, right? And if you can get him to be a little bit more efficient, Bryce Hamilton, very good player, going to provide you a lot of offense. I think Michael Nuga is going to be their best offensive player this year. Uh, he scored over 17 a game for Kent State last year. Kent State to UNLV, the MAC to the Mountain West. It's not really a big step up. It's very similar in terms of competition level. So I think Michael Nuga is going to be their best scorer. Hamilton might is probably going to take the most shots, but Nuga's a better three-point shooter. Nuga's better at getting to the rim as opposed to settling for mid-range jumpers. I think those two... I feel pretty confident that is a solid Mountain West offensive scoring duo. I think they're going to get a lot of points out of those two. Donovan Williams becomes important because he might have a chance to be the third best player on this team and be awesome. This is a guy, he is going to lead the team in highlight dunks. There is no doubt about it. Donovan Williams is going to lead the team in highlight dunks. The guy is, there's no denying his athleticism. He's incredibly athletic, right? The question is going to be, can he shoot? He took 64 threes at Texas. He made 22% of them. It's not very good. If he's making 22% of his threes at UNLV, th- he might be unplayable, right? That might be a that might be so bad that you can't put that guy on the floor for long stretches. But if he can get that up to 33%, that's a big jump, but he's only on 64 attempts in his career. If he can shoot 33%, just dead average at college basketball, that should be good enough for uh, Don Williams. The other question is what does he do defensively? Because I think you're going to see it a lot tonight. He's probably going to be playing a small ball power forward position. Can he defend in that role? Gardner-Webb might not be the best test for that, but that's going to be a big question, is if they're going to play him as a small ball forward, can he defend in that role? If he can do those two things, the athleticism is going to take him to where, okay, UNLV's got a legitimate big three offensive threats. right? That's going to be the key. So Donovan Williams, I think if he is great, UNLV's got a legitimate chance to contend in the Mountain West because they might have three really good players at the top end. If he struggles, eh, UNLV should still be good, should still be fine. There's still other guys on this roster that can be good, but I think Donovan Williams is the key. I think he's got the most upside to sort of join that Bryce Hamilton, Michael Nuga level of this guy is awesome at the Mountain West level. And then the last thing I'm curious to see for UNLV, how good are they defensively? This is a program. That has not been top 100 in Ken Palm since the 2015-16 season. That was the year Dave Rice got fired. They've not been good defensively for half of a decade now. Kevin Krueger, multiple times at practice, has been yelling or talking about, hey, switch. That's what we do. If we do that, then we're a top 25 defense. right?" He has used that for a top 25 defense multiple times. If UNLV has a top 25 defense in the country, They might be going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Like the offense would have to be really bad for them to be missing the NCAA tournament if they're top 25 on defense. I'd be stunned if they were that good defensively. Now, Kevin Kruger went out and his main priority was length and athleticism, right? Which should just by itself translate to better defense. But if this team, I mean, listen, top 100 is an improvement over the last half decade of UNLV basketball. But if this team can sniff around 50th, 60th best defense in the country, UNLB's, they're going to be right there in the Mountain West. I don't that that's going to be a bubble team probably on the outside, but that's going to be close to a bubble team for the NCAA tournament if you're 50-60 on defense, right? But 50-60 on defense should put you in the top three in this conference, right? It should give you a shot at winning the Mountain West, or at least being in that conversation, and at the very least, going into the Mountain West tournament thinking, oh, UNLV could actually win this. They don't have to pull off three upsets to win it. They're the three seed, and they just need to you know, knock off the two seed who they beat before or something like that. So how good are they defensively? Because if they're really good, if they're what Kevin Kruger says in practice, says, hey, if we do that over and over, we're a top 25 team, NCAA tournament's coming. That's optimistic for me. That's really optimistic. But if this team is, you know, 53rd at the end of the year in defense, I think you're looking around saying that was a hell of a success. And looking to the future, they could be better in year two under Kevin Krueger. Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you
0: prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz.
1: All right, Jason, I, I'm going to take a shot here with a very random question for you. Have you ever had Vegemite?
4: Uh, so Vegemite sandwich, yes. In Australia, I had Vegemite years ago. I only remember that it was a lot like spam, if memory serves me correct. But yes, I've had it once.
1: So Bam. we have uh, a listener in Australia, who's very committed. He sent us both a little squeeze bottle of Vegemite. Uh, it's the it's like the 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 mayonnaise you would have on your sandwich, not oh, the actual meat so you would I have guess, on your sandwich. I,
4: yeah, I didn't know that. I had there was a meat product on the sandwich that I had that had Vegemite on it. So I, I you're educating me.
1: So you were not uh, revolted by the taste of Vegemite on your sandwich.
4: Uh, no, but let me so uh, three things to context, you know, that this is like the world's most random story. But I've been to Australia <laughs> a couple of times in my life and uh, for tour from for music stuff. And the first time we went, I was actually playing at the time with a country guy named Phil Vassar. And there, no exaggeration. It was booked so last second that I was sitting in the middle middle seat flying from L.A. to Australia. Uh, on, like, a regular airline, not not on, like, the fancy one that has the, the like, there was no media, right? You, so you're sitting in this flight, flight for, like, 16 hours or whatever it was, landed, got in a van, drove immediately six hours, unloaded our stuff from the van, plugged my pedal board in on stage immediately where the power difference changed the entire, like, it, it actually fried my entire electronics to play <laughs> the course of the show. And then we stood up, and all of a sudden, uh, Phil decided without any notice to the band that he was just going to do midnight oil, like, how do we sleep when a bad time? And none of us knew the song. And so we made it through, like, uh, I don't know, 10 seconds of the song before we realized that was a terrible idea. Immediately after the show, got back in the van, drove back to the airport, and then immediately boarded a flight to fly home. That was my first flight, my first time in Australia. <laughs> and I had Vegemite on that trip. So in fairness, in such a blur, I always thought it was the meat product. I don't remember it being gross, but I don't remember it being great either. All
1: right, hold on. How the hell did you book? How was there a last second concert in a different country across the world?
4: There's a, there's a CMC is a, a festival in Australia, and they have a festival called CMC Rocks the Snowies. Not that it was really snowy, uh, but yeah, Australia does a country music festival twice a year, and they had a last second cancellation on an act, and uh, for some reason, we were filling in. What I don't understand is I was literally in Australia. I was, I was in Australia long enough to play a show. I didn't even shower in Australia the first time I was there. I was there for such a short amount of time. My body wasn't right for like a week afterwards. So the the story you didn't ask for, the following story, is when I went with the Bam Perry to Australia, the first day we were at this like awesome reserve where they take care of koalas and kangaroos and you're playing with them and like it's a national treasure and it's great, I got to hold a koala, such a cool thing. The second day, the next day we were in Sydney to play a show and I sat down and I, I was like, what does everybody eat? Like, what's the delicacy here? And they were like, kangaroo, it's what everybody eats. So oh, it's really good. I was playing with the kangaroo. The next day I ate a kangaroo hamburger.
2: <laughs> Kangaroo's really good.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was good. I, I, I got, a, I'm not going to lie. I, that was far less weird to me than when it was Christmas time. And we were in like, I think it was Norway or Sweden or somewhere. And reindeer was the specialty. And I felt really weird about Aww. like, am I eating the ones that didn't make the final eight? Like, like if they, if you're not Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, now we know what happens to you. Like that was weird for me. <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, two important questions from this. Number one, when you were touring during football season, how many Raiders games did you miss?
4: Very, very few. But I did have to sit down with my wife and say, hey, I want you to see what happens when I pull this website up. Because the minute you pull like some of those websites up internationally to get the games you're immediately given, like, the the world's weirdest links come up and pop-ups come up, and I had to be like, hey, I just want you to see what's coming up on my computer. I think we all know where that's going. Also, fun fact, we are the only country in the world, seriously, that doesn't offer the NFL game pass a a la carte week to week by the team. So for, like, five bucks in most countries, you can just buy the Raiders game for that one Sunday, and we can't do that in America. Explain that to me.
1: Because they got a TV deal. What do you mean? You got to tune into Fox and buy red zone and everything. Uh, Come on. Got to be that's expensive. Fair. That is fair. All right. Second, slightly unrelated question for you. The best country outside of America that you played in.
4: Um, Italy is, I think, the most beautiful place. And and so, again, while we're just humble bragging my life in a way that makes me <laughs> feel like just a pretentious ass nobody wants to hang out with. Uh, the first time I went to Italy, we were playing a charity event. At, um, uh, at uh, Bocelli's house. And it was like <laughs> David Foster was running the music for it. And like all of these huge acts were there. And then Bocelli arranged like a private tour of the Colosseum and the Vatican and all this stuff for everybody afterwards. <laughs> I don't know how we got on that. And the whole time I was like, they're going to figure out we're not big enough to be in here. <laughs> but I enjoyed everything. Like Italy is the food, the wine, the beauty, like the, the, the location itself. Absolutely stunning. And then the see- sneaky second place would be uh, Norway. Like, I, princess cake in Norway is a delight, man. It's like the best food I've ever had. So, uh, it, you know, as a, as a cake connoisseur, princess cake takes the cake.
1: What What is princess cake?
4: It's like this this semi-sweet, it's not a super sweet spongy cake, but it's a really, really, really spongy cake with not a super sweet, uh, like, whipped cream-type topping on top of it. And then there's, like, a little layer of uh, jam in the middle of all that. But then they cover it with a, a super decadent, um, like, uh, fondant that has powdered sugar all over it. So, like, the outer core is super sweet. But the inner, inside is, like, soft melt in your mouth. Not not that sweet at all. So it's, like, a perfect blend and balance. I, I'm telling you, it was so good. We had it one day. We didn't have a car the next day. We walked it, Like, four of us from the band walked an hour and a half each way just to get another piece of princess cake. <laughs>
1: All right. I'll ask you a couple of sports questions. Why? This is great. (laughs) So which part of the college football ranking should we be most upset about?
4: I am five years into doing rankings reaction, and (laughs) I I am careful every year when I do it to realize that the college football playoff graciously gives us Gary Barter, the committee chairman often. So I try not to be too hard. Last night was the first time I had to actually bite my tongue because I think the playoff committee has lost their minds. (laughs) The fact that we just saw Michigan State beat Michigan and now Michigan's ahead of them is just flat-out stupid. And at the end of the day, they didn't value head-to-head when it came to, I don't know, uh, Oregon, Ohio State. Like, Ohio State's clearly playing better than Oregon right now, but we value head-to-head there. We don't value it when it comes to Michigan, Michigan State, and it, it, I can't make any of it make sense. And if you want to tell me it's because you lost to an unranked team, let's remember that Oregon lost to unranked Stanford. Let's remember that Baylor lost last weekend to unranked TCU and fell one spot. So this is the dumbest thing that the committee, like, this is the first time <laughs> I've ever sat there and thought the committee just wanted to make us have something to yell about. And I've never bought that conspiracy theory until now. And it makes me even angrier that they don't put all 13 of them up there with the microphone to answer for their own stupid opinion.
1: <laughs> all right. And Raiders question for you. Um I'll, I'll give you just a general one. Do you feel like this season's about to fall apart? Like the last two?
4: No, I think they're okay. And I, I will say this: their car was bad on Sunday. And I've used this analogy a couple of times, but like when I was touring with the van Perry, Uh, our drummer, one of my closest friends for long before we ever played in the band together. We knew each other a long time, whenever we had a break, he and I would have very different approaches. And the funny thing is for me, I had to constantly play. Like I I have a violin somewhere and every couple of days I'd have to make sure I played just because it's the only way to keep my hands like, right. And he would have to walk away from it completely. If I walked away for two weeks, even though I've been playing the violin my whole life, if I walked away for two weeks and didn't play my first show back was always bad. And I knew it. And so for me, Rhythm mattered. And I think what we need to remember is that for some guys, coughed Derek Carr, rhythm matters. And so what we saw was a team that didn't practice during the bye week. And then when they did come back together, they weren't focused and they had no rhythm coming out. I'm not that concerned about what we saw, frankly. I'll be concerned if they don't go in and, frankly, beat the Chiefs. They, this is a matchup nightmare for Kansas City. I think the Raiders are a better team than the Chiefs. They should win this game. If they don't, then I'll be honest with you next week and say, now I'm puckered up. But right now, I think what we saw is a team that was rightfully distracted, that had no rhythm, that had opportunities to score touchdowns, and Carr didn't deliver the ball. I don't think that speaks larger than his body of work this year. I think it's going to be just fine, and they'll write the ship against the Chiefs on Sunday.
1: How often do you play the violin now?
4: As little as possible. I, I, have, a, I have a piano in the house, so I sit down and play the piano a lot just because I enjoy, uh, I enjoy making music. But it is now it's once every few months, and when I do play, I'm reminded that my prime was long behind me. So, like, now, now I play, and I'm like, oh, God, I, you know, I'm thankful. It would take a lot a, a lot of whiskey, although I still haven't decided one Sunday when I'm in Vegas I'm not just going to commandeer one of the violins from the, the house band that's playing, and at least, it, like, you let out a little aggression. It, it depended on how the first half goes. Like I might just go up there and start kicking things over, take a fiddle, and play at halftime.
1: Yeah, why not? That'll be fun. Jason Fitz takes over the house. I'll
4: be back in the stadium after I kick the the, the hey. door down. But other than that, you know, I'm I'm good with that. You know, we'll, yeah, I'll just have you guys get my back.
1: You'll be fine. They'll let you back in. It won't be a big deal. <laughs> You're good. He's Jason Fitz from ESPN. Jason, as always, we appreciate it.
4: Appreciate you, brother.
1: So there is Jason Fitz. Um, where the hell have you had kangaroo before? Oh, yeah, uh,
2: I had some uh, I had an Australian friend when I lived in New York, and then you can get it here in Vegas. Yeah, you get it at sprouts. um there's actually a couple different butcher shops that have it. It's because there's such there's so little fat on
1: it that you if you screw up cooking it, it turns into a hockey puck, so I won't be getting it because uh, I'm not good at cooking. It'll turn into a hockey puck very quickly, huh. Kangaroo. He reminded me, is like, yeah. One day I was playing with the kangaroo, and then the next day I was eating it. It's like my mother.
4: She oh, sent yeah. she
1: she sent us all pictures of like, hey, here's my chickens, and then the next day, here's the chicken after it's been cooked. I mean, at least she didn't do that with like a dog. Oh well, yes, I guess that's <laughs> the upside there. But yes, Thanksgiving at my mom's fresh. Coming up next, <laughs> what are we doing next? I don't know. I'm gonna yell about something. Baseball.
0: Are stats hogwash? Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. His lack of responsibility, you know, for his friends, family, team, staff, and fans that he lied to and exposed to COVID-19, it shows a lack of moral character that can't be ignored. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley
1: Kia. Come see a Kia on West Sahara. By the way, where does Kareem Abdul-Jabbar exist? What do you mean? Like, I always see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar takes on things. Where do they come from? I mean, he's... He's a columnist, isn't he? For who? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. For who? I might have to look it up. I don't know. I I Like the only thing I saw was a Substack. Like, is he running his own Substack blog? I'm pretty sure that's where I bought
2: this Kareem Abdul face mask that I wear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just I always see on Twitter like Kareem Abdul Jabbar like quotes or audio of him saying something, and it's like, where did that come from? Like where who does do he think, work for? Do you think
2: we could get Kareem Abdul Jabbar?
1: We might if he's writing for a substack. Like he doesn't Does he work for somebody? I don't know. I don't see him on ESPN. It's not like he's popping up on Fox Sports Radio or whatever. I don't know where he exists. Maybe he does, and I just don't see him there. No clue. I was just curious because it's always like, Hey, Kareem Abdul Jabbar's talking again. And I'm like, To who? Don't know what it is. Um, now I'm gonna yell about something here. Um Actually, I'm going to be more probably dumbfounded than than yelling. I know I live in a in a sports bubble, right? Where that is like the, the main thing that constitutes my life. As far as a, I made it my profession, but b, it's also like my form of entertainment. I will go home, and even if it's not something we're going to talk about in the show, oh yeah, I'll watch this random basketball game. Like it's the that's what it is. So, what I can't comprehend. And this is certainly not unique to UNLV fans, but UNLV fans are the ones that, you know, respond to me the most on Twitter among the fan bases here. I do not comprehend giving up season tickets or just not get going buying tickets in the first place. So you see UNLV basketball play over the vaccine mandate that they've put in place. So UNLV has chosen for basketball that you have to be vaccinated to enter Thomas and Mack this year for men's basketball games. Uh, they did not do that with football. Football, you had to wear a mask. Uh, well, had to is you know, lightly used term there. But for basketball, you have to be vaccinated. Proof of vaccination is required. They followed the lead of what the Raiders did, the only other team here in Vegas to do that, the Raiders and now UNLV. And multiple people, again, it's not a ton, but a handful of people have tweeted along the lines of their you know, got a refund on their season tickets, they're not coming, blah, blah, blah. And the part of it that I don't comprehend is that I can't get being a sports fan, being a UNLV fan, taking away your own enjoyment, your own entertainment, taking away your own ability to watch your favorite team play because they're requiring you to be vaccinated during a pandemic. I do not comprehend that there. There is not a part of me that understands that. And I know I live in a sports bubble where sports is the most important thing in my life, but I cannot comprehend that that you would rob yourself of enjoyment and entertainment because they want you to be vaccinated during a pandemic. I don't comprehend that at all. That does not make sense in my head. Like, like, Maybe it's just a fact of just not as big of a fan or it's just not as important to you or you have different priorities, I guess. But I just do not get it, that you would take yeah. away your own enjoyment because, because hell, people have... Some guy tweeted at me, I know somebody who is vaccinated but still gave up his season tickets because it's a ridiculous mandate. Why? Why would you give up your own tickets if you're vaccinated, too? Like, it's, it's one of the most ridiculous well, things I've okay. ever heard. Well,
2: first of all, that sounds like... A lie.
1: It does sound like a lie,
2: because um, it was
1: also I know a guy, and not even me.
2: Yeah, I mean, hey, Pete. Hey, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, what? did Aaron Rodgers say? Uh, you know, I'm immunized. There are some guys on the team who don't want to be vaccinated. <laughs> MF for the guys on the team are you? Yeah, it's you. Uh, um, this is one of those where I'm like, for the first time, okay, keep your politics out of my sports, like. <laughs> If you have such a bad like if you are so politically engaged that you're like, I need to make a stand and be like, I won't go to a game. Okay, cool. Do it quietly.
1: Yeah. I just, just And and again, it's it's not a ton of people. It's not like there's a, a mass of people that are tweeting at me, telling me that, well, this is ridiculous. I'm not going. I'm giving up my season tickets. It's, it's a handful of people that have said it, but I just It's it's genuinely like beyond my comprehension as somebody who enjoys sports that I would say, no, I'm not gonna go watch my favorite team play. Like, I assume if you buy season tickets to UNLV basketball, they're your favorite team. I'm making that assumption here. There's it's not really a casual, yeah, I just bought season tickets to the local basketball team here. Like I have to imagine most people were like.
2: Do they yeah. still got the eat all you can deal?
1: I don't think so. I think oh, Desiree okay, Francois out. took that to Missouri with her. Um, but I can't imagine there's many people with season tickets that are not like, just yeah, I'm a massive UNLV basketball fan, and I I don't I don't get it. I do not comprehend giving up that joy, that entertainment, that part of your life over. Hey, uh, you need to be vaccinated to get into this building, especially if you already are vaccinated. If there are people that are, are vaccinated that are like, I just don't agree with that mandate. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing? Lying. They're not. They're lying. They're not stopping you from getting in. You just are somehow taking a stand over UNLV making me ba- vaccinated. I saw
2: more people go, oh, okay, cool. I'm glad right.
1: I will get to go. I personally am pumped because I don't have to wear a mask in Thomas and Mac while UNLV plays basketball. I am genuinely excited that I don't have to wear a mask for – three hours or however long I'm in that building during the game pumped about it it is phenomenal that I don't have to put a mask on for that because where here's the thing wearing glasses my glasses either get fogged up or I got to wear them down my nose a little bit so they don't get fogged up and then it's hard to see far away not great and I'm pumped I don't have to put up with that this is a great decision by UNLV I'm extremely excited by this decision and I'm just covering as a media member I just as somebody that would be a fan I can't I can't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand why you would take your, because again, you're choosing to take that enjoyment away from yourself. Like you can play it off as, oh, UNLV is making a bad decision, forcing this on us. No, you're making the decision to take your own enjoyment away from yourself.